I'm Dr. Greg Winteregg, CEO of the Private Dentist Alliance. I want to talk to all of you students out there today who are wondering what your future is going to be like as a career in dentistry, as an assistant, as a hygienist, as a dentist, where is this profession going with the rapid increase of the DSO movement? I'm here to tell you the PDA is going to help you and I want you to become a member today. It is free. Now, why should you become a member? You're gonna get weekly video updates from me and you're gonna get regular updates of our newsletters from the Alliance on exactly what is happening and how we are going to help preserve and protect the private practice of dentistry. Now, to me, the most important advantage is you are going to get access to our job board. What is that? Our private practicing members all have access to our PDA job board, which means if they have an opening in their private practice of assistant, hygienist, doctor, front office staff, they're going to be able to post it. And you're gonna be able to check up regularly. And as our membership grows, we're gonna be covering larger and larger territories across the United States. If you are looking for a job in any position in the office of a private practice, you need to become a student member today. It is free. Go to www.privatedental.org and become a student member today. You're gonna to love your benefits. Do it now. What is up guys, it's your boy Matt Havis back out of the Dental Supervisor Podcast and today, we have a super special guest on. We have Mark Johnson. He's the founder of Student Loans Rx. It is an awesome full service financial and student loan planning company for professional students. If you have a lot of student loans hitting the three, four hundred thousand dollar mark, you definitely want to check out Mark and his team and see what services they can provide for you. Honestly, we had an awesome time talking for him. He provided all things information about student loans to the repayment plans, to how to deal with it if you have a spouse, all things regarding student loans. Truly, truly high yield information. Everyone in professional school that's taking out loans definitely needs to hear. So please tune in, give us a like, comment, a review, follow us on Instagram at dental.student.vibes. Um, let's make this the best podcast we can for you. We love to have a mark on, we'd love to have him on in the future. So stay safe, vibe on. Welcome back to another episode of the Dental Student Vibes podcast. I'm Seth Kalish here today with Cole Herzik, Matt Havis, and our very special guest, Mr. Mark Johnson. Mr. Mark Johnson is the founder of Student Loans Rx, and he is a wealth advisor for RBF Wealth Advisors in St. Louis. Mark, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me on. Absolutely. So, we we're talking a little bit uh, with Mark about the student loans, I guess you'd call it a crisis, and then also how student loans is going to be changing over the next years with new policies, et cetera, et cetera. So Mark, how, how long you've been dealing with student loans and helping students pay back their student loans? Well, thanks, that's a great question. So I've been working at this for about seven years. I started student loans Rx back in 2013. I've been in the investment business since 1991, and I got invited to do a, a lunch and learn for our group of orthodontic residents here in St. Louis at St. Louis University, a pretty large program. And I went in and did an investment presentation. I didn't mention the word student loans one time because I didn't know anything about student loans. 
And then a few of them wanted to visit with me about investing. And so we had a cup of coffee and then they started sharing with me that they were graduating with between four and 750,000 in student loan debt. And I said, well, that was maybe a wasted lunch meeting. They're not gonna have any money to invest with me for a long time. Uh, but then I said, you know, well, so who's gonna help, who helps you figure this out? And they said, what do you mean? We gotta figure this out ourselves. And I said, well, that doesn't sound right. So I, I poked around the industry to see if I could find somebody to actually refer them to, and I couldn't. I couldn't find anybody that was licensed that I thought really would do, you know, really had any knowledge in this. So I, I went to school myself, so to say, and I learned everything I could about the different repayment programs, private versus federal, consolidation, refinancing, all of the you know, income-driven repayment. And uh, here we are seven years later, totally changed my business. I spend 90% of my time working with dental professionals coming out of either school or residency. And we help them build a comprehensive plan around their student loans. That's what we do. That's awesome. And so, Mark, I want to mention that you said between 400 and 700, that's correct? That's, this was this residency group that I worked with. Right. I've got, we work with clients anywhere from, let's say 150,000 in student loan debt. And I have one endodontist in uh, California who's got a cool 1 million. So wow. ev everywhere from one, 150 to a million, million dollars in student loans. We've got couples, you know, sometimes people fall in love in dental school and we've got some couples that you know they each have four or five hundred thousand. So yeah, right. And so like I think that that's a great point because a lot of the dentists that we talk to, they're like, oh yeah, I had like you know forty thousand in student loans after I graduated. And a lot of dentists currently think that we have somewhere between one hundred fifty and two hundred. Uh uh, not anymore. That's not what it's like anymore. Everybody's you know no. the hundred thousand dollar a year uh, tuition fee. So. Well, and it depends on where you go to school, right? So if you're in a state school, a lot of our state school clients will come out, let's say between 250 and 350, somewhere in that range. Um, but if you're going to a private school and there's, you know, a number of them, uh, you know, upwards of four to five hundred thousand dollars is, you know, pretty pretty average coming out of a private dental school these days. And then if you tack on, you know. Um, some residency on there, you can easily, you know, enter your career with a half a million dollars plus in student loan debt. Right. So Mark, um, since we're just going to get right into it, what is the best time to start planning for student loans? A lot of our listeners are dental students, um, graduate college. Okay. They may or may not have some, some, uh, student loans from undergrad and now they're about to start taking out literally one year that is more in student loans than all of their undergraduate degree was. So when is the best time to start planning for student loans? Sure, so in the first you know, two to three years of dental school, you just need to be focused on you know, going to school. The only thing I would say is you know, don't take out more than you need. You know? don't, don't fund spring break when we can have spring break again with your student loans. You know? be, be reasonable about your living expenses because you're gonna have to pay that money back despite what's being promoted on the TVs on either side of the political aisle, trust me, there's not gonna be a lot of sympathy for, for dentists with a bunch of student loan debt. I mean, you guys have the capacity of earning, you know, so much money. I, I, I hate to think, I, I, I wouldn't, I would be uh, foolish to say, I think you're gonna get much of your student loans forgiven um, under this administration or any other administration. 
you know, you're going to have to pay back your student loan. Um, and you should prepare for that. Now, when we start visiting with, with uh, uh, students is usually towards the end of third year, uh, beginning of fourth year. So if you're like right now, is kind of our peak time to start visiting with fourth year students, because over the Christmas and holiday year end holidays, you guys, maybe you went home, maybe this year you didn't, but people will actually go and do a little shadowing sometimes around the holidays if there's a break in school. So we see a lot of people now, you know, starting to look and review um, job offers, you know, over the next, especially the next, you know, February, March, April, leading up to May, June graduation. Right. So, I mean, you know, it, it's really just everybody that we've talked to, they all have different opinions on at what point they should start repayments. And let me, let me kind of slide into that question. So what, what is your opinion on the, what is it, six month, sometimes 12 month forbearance? Um, like what, what is your thoughts on that? Sure. So I think what you might be referring to is a six month grace period. Right. So everything, everything's kind of been, you know, put on hold since March 13th of 2020 with respect to um, interest accrual and, you know, having to make payments. So for these folks that are getting ready to graduate this year, let's say they graduate in May, they would have a traditional six month grace period where they wouldn't have to worry about making payments, let's say until the end of November. But, uh, and, but during a six month grace period under normal circumstances, interest would continue to accrue. So if you got 400,000 in student loan debt, and you have a six month grace period, if your interest rate is 6%, right? That six month grace period was another $12,000 of interest. So now this year, because of COVID, um, the new administration has extended the student loan relief through September 30th. So for this year's graduates or anybody else, frankly, interest does not start accruing until October 1st, okay? So technically, if you graduate in May, you don't have to start making payments until let's say the end of November, but interest starts accruing, you know, in, um, on October 1st. So on, so for the month of October, if you have 400,000 in student loan debt, that's $2,000 of interest. So I'm a very, very, um, so my opinion and my advice generally is that you get enrolled in a repayment plan, you know, as quickly as possible. Now this year, you can kick that can down the road probably until the 1st of September, okay? Uh, because there's no interest accrual and there's no payments to make. But if let's say, for example, you visit with me or someone else that knows, or you, you come, to the, come to the decision that you want to enroll in let's say an income driven repayment plan, we can talk about that in a second if you want, but let's say you want to get on an income driven repayment plan, you'll wanna have that application submitted to your loan servicer. You go to studentaid.gov and, and fill that, go and fill out the application, but you'll wanna have that to your loan servicer you know, by the 1st of September. It takes a few weeks to get that processed. So then on October 1, when interest starts accruing, you're already enrolled in a plan. Now you may be eligible for up to a 50% interest subsidy that first year out of dental school. That's kind of a, one of the gold nuggets I'll leave with your listeners today is that, you know, for you guys that are looking to get on an income driven repayment plan, you really want to know the difference between revised pay as you earn 
and pay as you earn. Those are the two plans that you want to focus on for income driven repayment. And the revised pay as you earn provides up to a 50% interest subsidy, possibly your first year out of school. So most dental students didn't have any income their last year in dental school. If you're single and you're in dental school, probably had very little income. You don't even have to make a payment your first 12 months out of school if your household income is less than $20,000, which that you know, probably covers 90% of dental students um, coming right out of school. So there's some pretty cool things, um, pretty neat strategies on how to you know, reduce your interest exposure. Again, sign up if you're gonna get on an income-driven repayment plan. You do not wanna extend, you don't wanna use your six month grace period. That, that's just foolishness. Okay. So although, that, although about probably, I think I heard a statistic that like 70% of people use the six month grace period. That's just six months more of interest under normal circumstances. Right. So essentially it's just a lot of like just prior planning. So plan ahead, get, get a job sooner rather than later. That way you can enter into a payment plan rather than having to look for a job post-graduation because you you, you didn't find one before you graduated and then you have to take that six months. Well, you can, you can apply for an income-driven repayment plan as soon as you exit school. You don't even have to have a job yet. Oh, okay. Okay. So, yeah. So like, for example, if you're going to graduate the middle of May, you know, uh, we're working with clients, you know, two weeks later, we're, we're starting to work on their planning. Now we, there's some things that you can do ahead of time though. So let's say you sign, let's say you, you sign a job offer or job agreement, um, you know, in April, right? Graduated me, but you've signed a job offer in April. Obviously it's contingent upon you passing your boards and getting licensed and all that stuff. But let's say you got that job offer in April. We know what you're going to get paid. We can start working on your budget. We can start working on your disability insurance. If that's something that's not going to be provided through the employer. So we can get a lot of things, you know, taken care of or get some preliminary planning done before you even graduate. Right. Okay. That's thanks. Awesome. No, go ahead. No, uh, no, go ahead. Okay. Uh, so basically my question is, um, so we talked about a little bit of the repayment strategies. Actually, I have two questions, but just to start it off for our listeners and those listening that might not know anything about repayment plans. Can you just give a general like synopsis or overview of a few of the various types or the most common types of repayment plans that you'll see coming out of school. And that'll lead me to my follow-up. Sure. So there's two general types of loans. These are for US citizens, right? You might have some foreign students. So they always have private loans. Visited with a young lady earlier this uh, last week uh, from Canada studying in the United States and she's got her loans through a Canadian bank. But for the most part, we're talking about US citizens they're gonna have the bulk of their student loans are gonna be federal student loans, right? Graduate plus loans um, for, for dental school. And so, uh, so that's one type of loan. Then the other, you might have some private loans through Sally Mae or, or somebody else like that. So for the federal loans, you basically have two types of payment structures. You either have, if you don't do anything, so your six month grace period expires, uh, they automatically default you into a 10-year repayment. So you get 500, 400,000 in student loan debt. That's like $4,200 a month or something. Okay, uh, that's usually a little bit more than a first-year dentist wants to, to bite off as far as a monthly payment. So income-driven repayment plans are very popular. 
and an income-driven repayment plan, you submit an application. They look at your previous tax return. So for those of you in dental school right now, you want to make sure you file a tax return every year, even if it's got a big fat zero on the bottom line, okay? So what happens is, is you go and fill out your income-driven repayment plan, let's say in June of 21, there's a link on there that you download your 2020 tax return into the application. It's got a zero on it because you were in dental school in 2020. You didn't have any income. And so that establishes the first 12 months of your payments. So an income-driven repayment plan is 10% of discretionary income. And the two plans that you guys want to look at are revised pay-as-you-earn first and pay-as-you-earn second. Revised pay-as-you-earn, as, as it stands right now, and this might change under the new administration, but revised pay-as-you-earn is a 25-year repayment schedule. Pay-as-you-earn is a 20-year schedule. Now, the loan servicers, they are not advisors, so be careful that a lot of people, in my opinion, get pushed into or their loan servicer recommends that they go into a 20-year repayment. So let me ask you guys, would you rather pay your loans back in 20 years or 25 years? Which is, you know, wh where, do you, where are you leaning? And so what happens is a lot of people get on this pay-as-you-earn because it's a 20-year repayment schedule, but it provides very little interest subsidy, okay? And so under the revised pay-as-you-earn, if you're a single dentist, single dentist, graduated school, you had zero income your last year in uh, dental school, um, you're going to get up to 50% of your interest rate. So that's, that right there is, again, $12,000 in savings the first year out of school. So income-driven is very popular if you, if you want to stay in the federal program. If you don't want to do income-driven, let's say your, your spouse makes a boatload of money and the payment's going to be too high and income-driven, then you might go into a, either a standard repayment or maybe what's called a standard graduated payment where they start you out at a smaller amount, but the amount goes up every year. So that's within the federal program. You can also, and you guys are probably get, see, getting this ads on Facebook and emails from different private refinancing companies. Okay, so like SoFi or Laurel Road or Credible.com, those are some of the big ones. Citizens Bank. So I, I'm an advocate for someday you're probably going to want to refinance. But generally, I recommend do not pull your loans out and do a private refinance until you're secure in your career and you can afford a more hefty payment. Most of the private refinancing companies are going to give you loan offers anywhere, you know, 15 years or under. So until you're ready to start making a $2,500 or a $3,500 a month payment, private refinancing is probably not the best idea. Now think about it this way. Everybody that refinanced in 2019, they had to pay interest, you know, even if it was four or four and a half percent, everybody in the federal program hasn't had any interest accrual since March 13th, 2020 through September 30th, 2021. So um, you have to be careful when you refinance, obviously all you're looking for is the lowest interest rate over the period of time, you know, and a payment amount. Um, but I think that a lot of folks, because there's so much marketing done and some of my competitors really push people into private refinancing, which I think is a mistake. We don't get any, I don't get any kickback fees from a bank to encourage somebody to private refinance. So I'm a fiduciary 
which means I have to give the my advice best on the best advice I can when provided the information the client gives me. Um, I have no incentive to refer you to do a private refinance or an income driven repayment plan. I have no no conflict of interest in that regard. So you have to be careful if you're getting advice from somebody, you know, do they have a do they have a dog in the fight? You know, do they get a five hundred dollar referral fee for sending you over to to one of those private lenders? So I think you have to be careful not to refinance too early. Okay. So that's for a student that's just coming out of school. So then my second follow-up question is, so how about a dentist that's been practicing for a little bit? Is it too late for them to still consider a repayment plan? Or what are your thoughts on that? Uh, it's not too late. And about 15% of our business is what I call redos, okay? Uh, or re remodels. That's, that's you a know, scary they, thing to that. <laughs> Yeah, they did, you know, for whatever reason, uh, they didn't get good advice or they didn't do enough research or what have you. They got on the wrong repayment plan. I actually had a dentist um, last year that had been out of dental school 10 or 12 years, I can't remember. And she's been on the wrong plan the whole time. Wow. And it even made sense for us to change now and ended up saving her quite a bit of, um, quite a bit of money. So yeah, I mean, if you're out of school, I would say certainly under five years, um, you wanna make sure that, uh, that you're on the right plan. Um, so yeah, there's, there's, there's definitely some opportunity, especially if you're on, like I said, if you're on pay as you earn, uh, I think a lot of um, loan servicers, they don't ask, you know, they're not, they're good people. They just don't, they don't ask enough questions. I think, you know, and I, the other thing is, you know, you guys are in a unique situation. They don't take many phone calls during the day of uh, borrowers that have four or five, 600,000 in student loan debt. That requires a little bit more attention than, you know, what some customer service agent is going to be able to, uh, you know, provide, you know, after you've been on hold for 30 minutes to get a hold of somebody, you know, they're, they're, they, you know, their, their job is to answer some real quick, easy questions and then, you know, take the next call. Right. You're right. So uh, you mentioned earlier, there's a lot of students that come out of school, they find their wife in dental school or their, or their husband. Uh, so what are your um, recommendations for a dentist couple? So um, are they, are they married before they graduate or, I mean, so here's the thing, yeah, keep in mind. So on an income driven repayment plan, um, they generally look at household income unless you file your taxes separately. So let's say, you know, it's they graduate in May, but they're not getting married till September. In that case, you know, we can set up individual plans uh, for that first year. And it, you know, it, whether they get married or not isn't gonna, isn't gonna impact it. Once they're married, then, and they filed, then it becomes a question of, okay, what's their income going to be? And then we have, what's their income going to be? And how much did they have in student loan debt? Okay. Um, I use a quick calculator. Sometimes it's uh, studentloanhero.com. Uh, you know, it's uh, LendingTree, I think is, it's powered by LendingTree, but it's uh, studenthero.com. They've got a number of calculators on there. And that's a pretty good um, thumbnail you know, estimation of kind of what your payments might look like, um, you know, in various different repayment 
uh, strategy. Gotcha. So okay. my, my recommendation is, is it just really depends on what the income is and how much student loan debt they have. But generally speaking, generally speaking, I think most graduates need to take a really hard look, at least for the first couple of years, at income-driven repayment plans and specifically revised pay-as-you-earn or pay-as-you-earn, possibly, if you're married. Okay, gotcha. All right, great answer. So I don't even know, why do they still have like the standard repayments? It seems like all these other options are so much better. Uh, because it's the government is the short answer. I mean, <laughs> you know, they, uh, you know, they, you know, there's a lot of people in there and, and they've tried, you know, I mean, there are four income driven repayment plans. So there's an old plan called income-based repayment. Sometimes people say income-based repayment when they really mean income-driven. So income-based repayment is an old plan and current graduates haven't borrowed any money under that plan or are not able to enroll in that plan. Income-contingent repayment is for parent plus loans. So that's for parents that have borrowed money you know, for their kids in graduate school. Um, so yeah, I think the Trump administration had had talked about it, you know, and they would have probably done something if they'd been reelected. The Biden administration is talking about maybe changing the entire income-driven repayment system to where instead of having, you know, three plans for borrowers and one for parents, maybe you combine those three plans into a, maybe a 15-year repayment. And uh, as you know, on income-driven repayment, unless you're on public service loan forgiveness, which is 10 years of qualifying payments, uh, if at the end of your income-driven repayment, 20 or 25 years, whatever's left over is forgiven, but that forgiveness is taxable. Right. So in 20 years, if in 20 years, if you had $200,000 in student loan debt left, you know, you'd you'd have, and you made 500,000 in income, you now are gonna get taxed that year on 700,000 of income. So I'm not, a, I'm not an advocate for that. I, I think I've recommended that strategy. It's called the tax bomb strategy. Right. Um, I was in the military and I, I learned to respect and stay away from bombs whenever possible. <laughs> so just, 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 the name, just the name of that strategy does, is not appealing to me, but but I, I generally do not recommend that strategy because I don't think you want to kick that can down the road 20 or 25 years. Right. A lot, a lot of curveballs, a lot of curveballs can happen in life over 20 or 25 years. And, you know, you may or may not be wanting to pay a, a huge tax bill at the end. Right. Can you explain the, the tax bomb strategy a little more? I know that's a common question that we get is about that strategy. Sure. So, um, the concept and uh, is that you stay, you get on an income-driven repayment plan, and you keep your payment low, right? Because income-driven repayment is only 10% of your discretionary income. So as your income goes up, your payment goes up. But in those first few years, I mean, in the first year, you may not make the payment at all. In the second year, you know, if you're only working half the year after graduation, right? First-year dentist work for six months. You graduate in May, you got six months of income. So that, that second year, you might only report 60 or $70,000 of income. So you got another low payment for the second year. And so five, 
seven, eight, nine years after you graduate on an income-driven repayment plan, most oftentimes your student loan balance is higher than the day you graduated because your payments are not even covering, covering the interest. So your student loans continue to grow. But the idea with, it, with this tax bomb strategy is that you keep your payments low and you invest the difference over that 20 or 25 year period of time. And so because your payments are low and you're investing that difference, so let's say you know, your income driven repayment plan says you're supposed to make a, a, a $1,200 payment. But if you refinanced over 15 years, your payment would be 3,000. Well, you, you invest that $1,800 difference, let's say, okay? And so the theory is, is at the end, you're gonna have this big pile of investment money and so you'll just write that check out to pay the taxes, no problem. So it looks great on a spreadsheet, okay? But put, uh, put a 50-50 chance in year 11 that you get divorced. And then see, then, then work the spreadsheet, see how that looks. You just lost half your practice, you lost half your assets, and your student loan balance isn't 400,000, it's 700,000. Right. And would wow. you have would you have rather have, would you have rather paid off your student loans with marital assets or with the half of the assets you have left? And now you're going to have that tax bill at the end, and who's going to pay that? Right. So uh, that's just that's just one example, and based on marriage, is you know it's a 50-50 proposition today. So and then there's other things that can come up. You know, you have to be really really disciplined to save to pay for a tax bill 20 years down the road. Now. I get my largest source of revenue is investment management. Okay. So if I was, so you would think I'd be on board with that strategy, right? Cause a, I tell a client, get on the tax bomb strategy, invest the difference with me. And, you know, but I, I don't like that strategy. I don't like kicking that can 20 or 25 years down the road. You get married, you have, Maybe you have a child that has some health issues. You got a parent that needs some long-term care. There's so many fingers that can get in that pie over 20 or 25 years. I would just rather have you um, knock it out in, you know, 10 years or so or less. We've had clients pay off 400,000 in four years. So, and I can tell you, none of them that have paid off their loans in that four to six to seven year range uh, not one of them will say, I wish I'd kicked the can down the road. Mm -hmm. So they're all very, very happy. Right. Can you talk more about those clients? Um, like what was their strategy that did the uh, 400,000 four years? So um, like a lot of young professionals, they got married a year out of school. I'll just give you an example. So this was a, was a dental professional. Um, she had 400,000 coming out of school. Uh, she got married a year later. I think her husband made about 80 grand and they lived on his 80 grand. They didn't go out and buy a house. They didn't, uh, you know, spend a bunch of money on automobiles. They, they lived a you know reasonable life here in the Midwest. Um, and uh, they just knocked it out. They just took her income and put it all towards student loans. Uh, they now, they relocated. They now, uh, own a practice in North Carolina. They bought a house. They've had a couple kids and they're doing great. All right, guys, that'll do it for our interview with Mark Johnson, founder of Student Loans Rx. 
We had an awesome time talking to him. We hope you guys learned as much as we did about all things student loans. I know I'm going to have a lot of student loans coming out of school, and all this information is just going to provide me with the tools necessary to get ahead in life, make decent money, while also putting a dent in my student loan repayments. So, as always, guys, follow us on Instagram at dental.student.vibes. Let us know what you thought of the interview. We really want to hear your feedback. Part two is coming out very soon, so stay tuned for that one. And as always, in these crazy times, let's stay safe and bye-bye.